just thank you for who you are, for being the Father of lights, for being the Good Shepherd, for being our provider, for being Jehovah Jireh, (laughs) for being our healer, for being our source of righteousness, for loving us perfectly. You are a good, good daddy. And so we just thank you for this opportunity tonight to sit at Jesus' feet, to learn of him, to hear from the Holy Spirit who leads and guides us into all truth and shows us things to come. Holy Spirit, we just uh, acknowledge you. We acknowledge your presence even on this podcast tonight, Lord. We acknowledge that you are anointing every word and you are speaking to each and every person, Lord. You've given us ears to hear and you're enlightening the eyes of our understanding so that we can know the hope of our calling, Holy Spirit. We just thank you for that. We thank you for being the spirit of wisdom the spirit of revelation and the knowledge of our Father. We thank you that you are revealing Jesus to us and you are manifesting our inheritance. We thank you that you're taking what belongs to Jesus and you're showing it to us, you're revealing it to us, and you're causing our expectations to rise so that we think like you, we believe like you, and we do the same works as Jesus did and even greater works than Jesus did. The same way that Jesus did them through oneness with the Father. We thank you that you are instructing us in righteousness. You are teaching us how to be sons. You are teaching us how to abide in the vine and live out of an identity that is miraculous, and divine, and so far beyond our human experience that it requires a revelation from you to get in agreement with it. And so tonight, Holy Spirit, we thank you for leading us in the path of life. Speak to us right where we are, what we need to hear. Remind us of what is true. Encourage us and edify us. Correct our vision. And bring us into the knowledge of who God is. Who he is to us who the Father is to us, who the Son is to us, and who you are to us, Holy Spirit. And to who you are in us. And to who you are for us. Or just expand our understanding tonight. And we give you praise and honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Well, this is the second podcast of 2019, so it's still early enough in the year to say Happy New Year. And uh, I really felt like I'm going to jump off again this week uh, 
and teach out of what I heard God speaking over 2019. You know, I've been in the middle of a series uh, that I'm calling The Gospel According to Shalise. And I encourage you to go back and listen to the previous podcasts in this series because you may find that the gospel that you've been familiar with, the gospel that maybe you've been taught, while it might have been good, you might find that it's even better than you've heard. That the good news is so good, in fact, that it's almost too good to be true. It's actually a confrontation with the unbelief in our heart just when we hear it. That God's goodness is so good, it's hard to believe that anything could be that good. So I just encourage you to go back and listen to that. And I'm sure we'll just continue weaving the gospel goodness into the message that I'm teaching tonight. But before I do that, I want to go back and I want to refresh your memory if this is your first time hearing the word that I spoke uh, over 2019. Maybe you've not seen it, seen it on Facebook or you haven't heard another podcast. So let me just go back and refresh your memory about what the father spoke uh, to me for you uh, about 2019. And just to give you a little bit of background, it was early in the year and I was just laying in bed one morning just thinking about serving the people that God had called, has called me to serve. I was thinking about how do I best serve those that the Lord is sending to this podcast or sending to emerge or sending to be in relationship with me. And this is what he spoke to me. He said, in order to be truly successful in life, my kids must live out of their true identity. They must live out of who they are in Christ. They must live out of the place where they are abiding in me. This means that each of them must stop identifying with their old self-image, the unregenerated me, the separated me, the alienated me, the rejected me, the independent me, the me that no longer exists. That me is just a memory of who they've experienced themselves to be over the course of their lives. However, this memory of me, who in reality no longer lives, must die in their minds. You cannot identify with the old man and the new man at the same time. You cannot be joined to me and separated from me at the same time. The state of abiding in Christ is the normal and perpetual state of being for every one of my kids whether they are aware of it or not. Separation for me is always just an illusion. However, when someone is deceived by this illusion, my life does not flow through them. As a result, they cannot produce the fruit, i.e. the results that they want. They cannot produce the fruit that only comes from being connected to the tree of life. My results are produced by abiding in me. The supernatural is the natural byproduct of your life as you abide in Christ. But remember, child, it's one thing to know who you are in Christ, and it's entirely something different to live out of this identity as a way of life. And this, my child, is the reason I created you. I have called you to help people live their life purpose 
and make a difference in the world the only way it can happen, through oneness with me. This is why you must never, ever stop moving forward and believing me for big, impossible dreams for yourself and for others. Yes, it may be easier to live a normal life, but Jesus paid an incredible price for you to experience my life. If you want to know what those connected to you need to know coming into this year, in order for this year to be the best year they've ever lived, tell them this. Listen to my voice. Make knowing me, living out of your true identity, and learning to abide in union with me your number one priority this year. Success in life isn't found in setting and achieving more goals. It's found in living life with me, in union with me. Will you set and achieve goals this way, living this way? Of course you will. You will set and achieve my goals. I will accomplish my will and establish my kingdom through you as you abide in me. However your life, you or your and your life, let me say it again, however you and your life will not be defined by these accomplishments. For who you are and your success in life is singularly defined by who you are in me. I've been um, sitting with this a little bit, obviously, since I heard it, and praying into it a little bit more. And I want to go back to really this phrase here that's pretty powerful. It says, if you want those that are connected to you to know how to make this year the best year they've ever lived, tell them this. The best year you've ever lived. Listen to my voice, make knowing me, living out of your true identity and learning to abide in union with me, your number one priority this year. And so last week, I, I kind of tied this in to a, a portion of the gospel where the gospel really is such good news because it is a proclamation that you are not who you think you are. You are not who you've learned to be. There is more to you than meets the eye. Uh, You are a partaker of divine nature. You are a partaker of God's divinity. (laughs) You are a supernatural being. Whether you're awake to this reality, whether you've realized it, whether you know how to operate in it, I mean, this is the truth. And one of the things that I love about Jesus and the way that he interacted with his disciples is that he was really bringing back into the earth through his relationship with the Father and the way that he abided and the way that he lived. He was teaching his disciples to follow his example, to live as he was, and to learn how to live supernaturally. How, what it meant, I mean, just releasing the fullness of human potential. 
releasing the fullness of what it means to be created in God's image. And Jesus, I mean, you have to think about it. What what an, what an exciting way to live where you are not limited by the way things look. That what, that you re, that you are awake every single day to the reality that what you see with your physical eyes is not all that there is. Where when you are faced with problems that seem insurmountable, that there is another way to approach solving problems. There is a natural approach. And there is a supernatural approach. I mean, think about this. Jesus spoke to the material realm. When a storm rose up and people were fearing for their life, he, he looks at the clouds and looks at the stormy sea and just speaks the word, peace, be still. He spoke to trees he went up to a fig tree and he, he looked at that fig tree and he said, when, they, when, there, when there was nothing to eat on it, and he cursed the fig tree and said, no one will ever eat of you again. Spoke to the fig tree like it was, could hear him. And then the next day, they, the disciples and Jesus come by and the fig tree dried up at the root. When he was confronted with a multitude of people that had come to hear him preach. And they were hungry and they, there, wasn't, there wasn't enough food for the crowds. He asked Philip, you know, I'm just kind of telling some stories of Jesus and his disciples, right? He asked Philip, where will we go to get enough bread here? Right? And Philip looks at his, his, his wallet, looks at the, how much money they've got, and it's like, you know what, we don't have enough money to feed all these people. And so Jesus used this example of blessing a few fishes and loaves and then the thing multiplies and feeds all of the people. I mean, these are just a few examples of how Jesus was discipling. Let me just say that if you could see me right now. It's like I'm quoting with my fingers how Jesus was discipling his disciples. Okay, let me say this again. He was teaching his disciples. He was disciplining his disciples to live as sons of God, to live as supernatural beings, to be connected to a source, the Holy Spirit, to... to just powerful. It's powerful. And I want to, I want to share this with you because if your potential is not just what you've learned your potential to be, meaning it's not based upon what neighborhood you grew up in. It's not based upon who your family is, who your mom and your dad are. It's not based upon the level of education or the degrees that you have. But if your potential is truly defined by Jesus Christ who lives inside of you, right? Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ in you is the, is your potential. 
then what is actually possible for your life? And what does it really mean to be a disciple? In John chapter 14, I want to go there tonight because I've already quoted it from John 14 once already, but and I actually have taught out of this passage of Scripture uh, in a couple of the other podcasts that I've been teaching about the gospel according to Shalise. Because John chapter 14 is an incredible, it's an incredible discussion that Jesus has with his disciples about why he's about to leave, why he's going to the cross, what's about to happen, and what is about to happen, not just to him, but what's about to happen to them. And honestly, when you read it, it's not just about what's about to happen to the disciples. It's about what has happened to you and really what your potential is as you learn who you really are and you learn how to live out of this identity and out of this place of union with God. And I want to challenge you because if you are not aware of your true identity, a majority of your waking hours every single day, then you have some work to do this year. If you are more aware of this idea of who you are, and it is not always feels connected to God, it's not always, it's not easily reconnected and thinking with the mind of God in agreement with what is true, if you are, if you have trouble connecting to hearing God's voice and you aren't uh, continually able to commune with him, then there is at least one untruth that is dominating your life and it is stealing your potential. And not only that, it's making you miserable because living out of an identity it's like, it's like a false persona. I mean, it's like you're, you're, you're masking a raid is around as someone who you're not. And until you discover who you are, life is subpar. So here's what Jesus was saying to his disciples here. And I'm not going to read the whole thing again because I've already taught out of it. I'll start with verse 7. It says, If you had really known me, you would have also known my Father. From now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and then we will be satisfied. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long a time? And yet you do not know me, Philip, nor recognize clearly who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not say of my own initiative or my own authority, but the Father abiding continually in me does his works. And the Amplified is which I'm reading, it says, his attesting miracles 
and acts of power. Verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe me because of the very works themselves which you have witnessed. Verse 12, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, anyone who believes in me will also do the things that I do, and he will do even greater things than these, and the Amplified, it says, in extent and outreach, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. This I will do so that the Father may be glorified and celebrated in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. In verse 16, it says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, talking about the Holy Spirit, to be with you forever. Verse 17, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he remains with you and will be in you. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans, comfortless, bereaved, and helpless. I will come back to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live. You will live also. Now, verse 20, I want you to stay with me. I know I'm reading a lot of scripture. It says, on that day, when that time comes, you will know for yourselves that I am in my Father and you are in me, and I am in you. I'm just stopping there for a second because it's the weight of this truth should so radicalize your life, so revolutionize your life that you don't recognize yourself. This is your true identity. And Jesus came not just to be an example, although he is absolutely an example. He came so that you could experience his very life. The truth is, now listen, this is a truth that is not based upon your feelings. This isn't true because you feel it. In fact, until you believe it, you probably won't feel it. It's true because Jesus is telling his disciples right here that this is the point. And it's the point to such a degree that when we really get it, that the Father does the work through us and we begin to live the same, I don't want to say the same kind of life, We want to live the same life that Jesus is living. Because guess what? He is alive. And he is actually alive right this minute in you. Right this minute, right this second. And guess what? Now this second and 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 this second. And he is living life as you. 
Here's how the Apostle Paul, let me, you know, and I was talking about this last week, and I'm going to share this again too, because it's pretty interesting, just because we can hear it more than once. <laughs> but it's interesting the way, the different kind of analogies and the kind of pictures that are used by Jesus and by the Apostle Paul, really, to describe the gospel, to describe what it means to be a son, a child of God. You know, Jesus' choice of words in John chapter 15, which is the very next chapter, about abiding in the vine. You know, when you think of a vine, Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. You know, when you look at any plant, you look at a tree, you look at a flower, you look at a corn stalk, you know, you don't look at it and think, oh, look at the, look at the, look at the, the tree trunk. And then, oh, look at the branches. No, you just look at it and say, oh, there's a tree. It's just a one thing. It's one thing. And that, you know, we think about the way that we're described, even as the body of Christ, that Jesus is the head and we are the body. I mean, you know, you look at any human being, you don't think about like, oh, there's their head. Like, oh, there's a part of their body and that's something independent from the rest of the body. No, it is a single thing. It's one thing. We are the bride of Christ. Well, again, it's another picture. It's, it's, it's this mysterious picture, frankly, because, you know, in the beginning it talks about in Genesis, you know, that the two shall become one. It's this idea that, that even though you're two separate things, you're also one thing, which is a very perfect picture, frankly, of the Trinity. That God is fully Father, fully Son, fully Holy Spirit, but yet he's one God. So there's multiple three. There's three, but there's one. So there's this idea of oneness. There's this story of oneness. Think about this. We're, we're described as vessels. Vessels are not, vessels just carry something. See, you are, you are, you are a temple. You are the home, the house of God, the dwelling place of God. So you contain, you are designed to contain something. And the primary illusion that entered at the fall, the primary illusion that happened when Adam and Eve ate the tree of knowledge of good and evil was this, this, this illusion that there is this independent them. That is, that is Satan's highest form of pride that I can exist independent from God, that I am, I am an entity to myself. When you, have been, when you and I have been designed to be carriers, to be a body for a head, to be a bride that receives from a husband, to be a temple that is a house for God, and so this illusion of independence is the deception. It's the deception that the enemy uses day in and day out and day in and day out to cause us to live a life that is less than the life of God. 
and remembering this, remembering this, and not just remembering it, experiencing this. Do you know that your union is not meant, your union with God is not meant to be a theory? Like I'm teaching it right now is some theoretical knowledge or, you know, it's information that I'm sharing with you. But it is, it was never designed to be just this like theological idea that you read about but never experience. And do you know how you know if you're experiencing or not? You know by the fruit. People say, well, you can't prove that there's God. Well, you know what? You can know a tree by the fruit it produces. And you and I are designed to produce supernatural fruit. We are designed to do the same things that Jesus did. That means that we are designed to speak to inanimate inanimate objects. It means that we are designed to speak to atmospheres, whether those be weather systems or those be spiritual atmospheres. There is power in your words. And when you see something on the earth that is not in heaven, you are Jesus on the scene. Let me say that again. When you are in an environment or in a situation that doesn't look like heaven on earth, which, by the way, Matthew 6, Jesus said, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will has always been, since the book of Genesis, heaven on earth. In fact, when Jesus comes back to establish his kingdom forever, guess what? It's going to be heaven on earth. This is not about us going to heaven. This is about heaven coming here. It has always been about a material and a real manifestation of God's kingdom. And anything and anywhere that you find yourself and there is something going on that is not allowed in heaven, I'm going to say it again, you are Jesus on the scene. You are the body of Christ. You are the physical representation of Jesus who is seated at the right hand of the Father. And here's the deal. What you allow will be allowed. And what you disallow will be disallowed. You are the determining factor on whether God's will and heaven invades earth or not. You know what? A head without a body is pretty helpless. What's it going to do? Roll on into the, you know, situation? No, the body is going to carry the head, first of all, where the head wants to go. And the body's going to call, carry the head so the head can speak what needs to be said. The body is going to touch what needs to be touched. The body's going to tread on what needs to be treaded on. I've given you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. The enemy has, has been empowered because the body of Christ doesn't know who she is. 
And we've heard it. I mean, this isn't like we haven't heard it. I'm raising my hand. We forget it. Or we aren't living out of it. Or we aren't experiencing it on a daily, moment-by-moment basis. Why? Because life happens. And so this is where, this is, this is the key. This is the key. This is the, the, the Christ in you is the mystery. <laughs> it's the mystery. It's the mystery. It's the mystery that was hidden for ages. Hidden for ages, but revealed in these, this hour by the Son. John, John chapter 14 could not be any clearer. Let's go to, um, let me go to another place here where I'm talking about, I mean, this, this, listen to the good news of the gospel here. The gospel says that you can do the same works that Jesus did. Do you know that I grew up in church and, and I did not know this? I didn't know this to, until I was in my thirties. I mean, so by the time I started hearing the gospel. I was so jacked up. I didn't know the power of my words. I didn't know miracles still happened. I didn't know that you could train people how to live supernaturally the same way that you could teach them to drive a car. I remember the first time I got a hold of a, of a, it was a VHS tape. And that, in those days, it was like, you know, early 2000s. They didn't have really DVDs then. Maybe they just came out right after that or something. I don't remember. But I had these VHS tapes of like this class called How to Heal the Sick. And they were literally teaching you how to heal the sick. Like, I guess you would just learn how to, you know, bake a cake or something. And I, I, I'm sharing this tonight because I really feel like the Lord, a lot of us have seen miracles. At this point, if you're listening to my podcast, you know, you're probably not like me. You've probably seen at least one miracle, right? But are we consistently living from a place where we are expecting them and they are happening through us? Because here's the truth. You are a miracle worker. And you are a miracle worker because the miracle worker lives in you. Think about these scriptures. The same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Ephesians chapter 1 says, again, the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul's praying that the Holy Spirit would enlighten the eyes of their understanding so that they would know the hope of their calling in verse 18. And then he says, and then he says, and what is the, the glorious inheritance that is in the saints, in the, inside of the saints. What is this inheritance in the saints? The inheritance is Christ. The inheritance is God. And he said, and what is the, the power, the exceeding power, it says, the same power, it says, that was wrought in Christ, that, that was demonstrated in Christ, when he was raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of the Father. There is power here. That's why in Philippians, in, in chapter 3, I think it's verse 13. I could go, but I don't want to go. I don't want to break my stride here. 
But that's why the Apostle Paul said this, my determined purpose, and the Amplified is how it starts. It says, is to know him and the power of his resurrection. Paul was obsessed with understanding this power, this power that was wrought in Christ, this power that was resident in him, the same power that would do the same things that Jesus did and even greater works because Jesus lived inside of him. And the only reason that you're not living that way or that I'm not living that way on a daily basis, day in and day out, day in and day out, is number one, you're not hearing the gospel. Or number two, you're not believing the gospel. I mean, that's why Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why? Because he showed up. And he said, repent. Change your mind. And believe the gospel. The kingdom of heaven has arrived. Hey! And all that's left is the renewing of our minds so that we experience what is already true. Romans 12, 2 says, Don't be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that Greek word for transformed is actually the Greek word metamorpho, which is way better translated transfigured. You are not becoming something new. You are new. When you repent and believe the gospel, all that happens is what is the manifestation of who you already are. It is a revealing of the Christ in you. It is a transfiguring of the Christ in you. And one of the things that Jesus saved you from (laughs) was who you think you are. And I get it. I get it. You know, we, 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 we wake up in the morning. Guess what? We, we don't feel like Jesus most of the days. You know what? We feel like pulling the covers over our heads and, I don't know, maybe not facing the day sometimes. But you know what? Jesus is excited. He wakes up every single day in an amazing mood, excited about the day, excited about the possibilities, believes in you. You know why? Because he believes in him. He believes in who he's created you to be. He believes in you. And guess what? He has a lot of confidence in the Holy Spirit. He has a lot of confidence in the Holy Spirit's ability to lead and guide you into all truth. And you know, one of the best habits that you can develop going into 2019 is to not step foot out of that bed until you remember who you are. You know, I, I've shared this, I think. I, I don't know when I have to share it so often. But, you know, I mean, this was, this truth of union with God. Jesus, he had me major on this for a whole year. And he said, just take the scripture from Colossians chapter 1, Shalise. 
And he said, just meditate on it for a whole year. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. And I really think he should have said, until you get this one, don't meditate on any others. Because it is the foundation of your identity. It is the core of your identity. I mean, it's, it's, in all, it's all through the New Testament. I mean, if you go in and you read, it's 250 plus times in the New Testament. Christ in you, Christ through you. I mean, it's all, it's the language of the New Testament. It is the point. And most believers, honestly, honestly are living day to, day in and day out from a place of separation. And a lot of what, I mean, I'm talking tongue-talking, spirit-filled, charismatic, miracle-working believers. And I'm telling you, it's wonderful to have experiences, encounters with God where you are being ministered to by Jesus and the Father comes and you get to sit on Daddy's lap. And I mean, trust me, these are amazing, wonderful life-transforming encounters, and, and they, they reveal to you aspects of who God is, and they're, they're life-changing. But they are incomplete when you don't recognize that you are not just God's child sitting on his lap. You are God's child who has melted into his lap. And when you go to the throne room, yes, it's filled with glory. And yes, it's holy, holy, holy. And yes, it's incredible. And there's angels and the, the, the sapphire around Jesus' head, the, the, the rainbow around his head. And I mean, just overwhelming when you read Revelation and you go to the throne room and it's just, ah, right? Crazy awesome. But you know what's even crazier and more awesome? Is that you get to sit on that throne. What? 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 Who am I? Who am I to sit on this throne? I'm unworthy. I mean, I just, you know, you just, you, it, it, it confronts low self-esteem. It confronts unworthiness. It confronts performance. I don't deserve this. I don't, de- no, of course not. <laughs> That's what reveals the love of God. This is daddy's choice. And he chose you, in Ephesians 1 it says, before the foundation of the world. He chose you in Christ, in Christ. He chose you to be in Christ before Adam or Eve ever chose to rebel. It is mind-blowing. And it has to be assimilated into our understanding of who we are. This, This truth has got to be assimilated into the way that we think. And we have to grow to the place where we recognize the purpose of feelings Feelings 
have never been created to tell you the truth. You know what feelings tell you? You ready for the huge revelation about feelings? Feelings tell you how you feel. Isn't that amazing? Feelings tell you how you feel. (laughs) They don't tell you anything else. Do you know they don't even tell you why you feel that way? Your brain, your thoughts have to do that. Feelings are just, just straight up, they're sensations in your body. They are the language of your body. Feelings are the language of your body. Just like your thoughts are the language of your mind. And yet we try to look at spiritual truth, such as Christ in you, the hope of glory, or who your, who your true identity is. Paul, you know, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Galatians 2.20. Well, I wasn't even at the cross. How could I be crucified? I wasn't born till 1944. How could I be at the cross? You know, I mean, logically, okay, the gospel doesn't necessarily make sense to your logical mind. Feeling-wise, well, I don't feel Jesus. If Jesus is in me, I don't feel, I can't feel my spirit, really. Now, on occasion, right, we do feel the Spirit. We get into worship. We feel the Spirit. We can feel spiritual. We can feel God's peace. We can manifest the emotions of God. Hallelujah. But we're not going to manifest the emotions of God with a bunch of unbelief, a bunch of wrong belief. And so we have, a, we have a problem on our hands. Who we've learned to be, who we've experienced ourselves to be, who we feel we are, versus what the word of God in the gospel, how, what it teaches us, who it teaches us we are. And I will tell you, this is a, this is a battle. This is, this is the fight of faith. This is the the process of mind renewal. This is what it means to grow up in Christ. Growing up in Christ just means you get conformed to the image of Christ, <laughs> meaning you just go ahead and accept it. And you go ahead and it just you're starting to believe it. It becomes a habit. You have a habit of abiding. You have a habit of Living out of your new identity. Why? How, how are, how's any habit? How's any habit developed? I'm asking the folks here tonight. How's a habit developed? Repetition over and over and over and over and over and over again until what? Until it becomes automatic. Right? It is truly, we, we are, we, we are already habitually living who we're not. Okay, it's just a habit. We got a habit. We got a habit of being somebody who's living separated from Christ. We have a habit of, of believing we're natural. We have a habit of believing we can't do the same things that Jesus did because we're not Jesus. We have a habit of just 
thinking of the natural solution to problems versus the supernatural solution to problems. We have a habit until you develop a new habit. And you know it's a new habit when it comes out of you without thinking. When someone dies and your first thought is, I'm going to raise them from the dead. Your first thought isn't panic. Your first thought isn't sorrow. Your first thought is, well, where are they? I I know this seems foreign and crazy, but this was exactly how Jesus thought. You know how he said it? He said, I'm sure he did that. She's not sleeping. I mean, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. When he asked Philip, where are we going to get the money to buy all these people food? It says, it says in the scripture, it says Jesus knew what he would do. Abiding in the vine is a habit. Do you know how long I wondered how to abide? I'd hear it and I didn't even know what it meant. It sounded so pretty. <laughs> it sounded so I don't know, far-fetched and abide in the vine. Like, what does this mean? Well, it means that we are abiding in Jesus. It means that we are habitually living in Jesus. This is where we live. And so one of the things I do with all of my eMERGE students, with all of my graduates that I coach and all of, all of my clients in general, is I talk about the concept And it's the beginning of the year, so hopefully you're at the place in your year where you're thinking about goals and you're thinking about what we're going to, you know, what God wants me to accomplish this year and where I'm going to be at this time next year. Maybe you've, maybe you joined the gym, right? Maybe you've been eating your fruits and veggies. You know, maybe you've got a weight loss goal or maybe you've got a fitness goal or maybe you're, you're getting out of debt this year. You've got some goals. But one of the things that I, I tell every single one of my students, is that if you're going to work with me and I'm going to do coaching and we're going to achieve goals, first of all, we're going to achieve supernatural goals. Okay? We're going to do some things this year that are going to require God to actually show up. And the very first thing that you need to do is you need to develop some habit goals. And we call these daily rituals or daily habits, whatever you want to call them, and it's, it's establishing whatever routine that you need to establish in the morning and at night, whatever routine. You decide. You get to decide because guess what? You've already got a routine. You already have a routine. You do this pretty much the same thing every day, right? You already got some habits. So don't be like, I, I, can't, I can't have habits. Well, you already got habits, you know, but it's like, let's develop some new habits. And I heard, this is what I heard. I did not write this. I mean, I know I wrote it, but I didn't come up with this. I'm honestly, I'm not this smart. I'm not that smart to come up with the way to make your year the best year you've ever had. I don't know. I'm just seeking God like everybody else. But when he said, if you want to make this year the best year you've ever lived, listen to my voice. I got to go back there because my... My iPad just went dark. Here we go back. Let me get back to it. He said, listen to my voice. Make knowing me, living out of your true identity, and learning to abide in union with me your number one priority this year. So let me say it a different way. There's some habits here. 
a habit of actually listening to God's voice. Meaning this is a way of life. It's not just something you do once a week because you go to church and you like to take your note, take notes at church. And so you're going to write down, maybe the Holy Spirit will speak to you something while the preacher's talking. Right? That's not listening. That's not listening to God's voice. And if you don't hear God, well, then I'm, you should. It's, it's the number one reason why people should join Emerge. Because you will graduate from that program and you will hear God guaranteed. Make knowing me, living out of your true identity, and learning to abide in you with me your number one priority this year. So, how many of you know, you can't know somebody you can't hear. Can you imagine trying to get to know somebody that you can't talk to? Like, I mean, even if you could pass notes, maybe you'd get to know them. Letter writing, you know, you can get to, you, you got to be able to hear somebody if you're going to get to know them. You can read about them, but that's not the same. I can read a story about you or I can sit down and talk with you. Now, reading the story about you may give me some insight about who you are, and it should obviously be a good representation of who you are. But the word of God, it says, is alive. That means that in the reign of word of God, meaning there's a... Holy Spirit's called the spirit of revelation. Meaning a revelation is, is revealed knowledge. It is knowledge that is communicated to you, yes, from the written word, but it expands on the written word so that you understand it. It's a, it's a conversation. And so you got knowing him involves listening to him. And then abiding, learning to abide in the vine, living out of your true identity. That means that you have to have a new habit, a habit of, of, of this is the new me. This is why, you know, think, that's why declarations are so powerful. It's not because it's like, because you can make anything into just this religious duty. But when you have a declaration, like I have one that I've written, and, you know, maybe I'll put it up on my Facebook pages after a result of this, but it's just who I am in Christ. And it's just a reminder of, of that I am the righteousness of God. I am perfect in Christ. I'm complete in Christ. I am holy and blameless in Christ. But, but first and foremost, guess what? I am one with Jesus. Because guess what? The fact that I'm one with Jesus is why I'm righteous. It's why I'm perfect. It's why I'm holy. And it's why I'm blameless. There is no me apart from Christ, except in the figment of my imagination. So whatever, it, whatever these things are that you need to do on a daily basis, like I said, so that you don't step out. I get it. Our brains, our minds, our feelings... To be carnally minded is death. That means that all of us in our carnal mind have the potential to just ride the crazy train. Right? Get on the crazy train and just keep on riding it till it crashes off the bridge. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And I'll say this. The habit of of the way we feel bad comes from the way that we're thinking. And this is neuro, this is neural science, by the way. This isn't just me saying this stuff because Scripture teaches it, because it is absolutely true because teach, uh, Scripture teaches it. To be carnally minded is death, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I mean, our thoughts will determine how we feel. But from a neural 
brain science perspective, you have a program. You have a programmed way of thinking for everything in your life. You have a, you, you know, the fact that you can drive a car is a program. But in physiologically, in your head, in your neural pathways, it's something called a neural net. And a neural net is just a grouping of neural neurons that have learned to fire in a certain way. And when you get in the car, if I could scan your brain and look at your brain waves while you were driving a car, you would see in your brain a part of your brain firing because you're driving the car. You have a habit. You have a way of thinking that enables you to drive a car. And what I am suggesting, what the father is suggesting this year is that you need some new neural nets. <laughs> you need some new habits. You need a, you need to learn, i.e. create a stronghold, i.e. create a habit, i.e. create a neural net that is living in union with the Father. So you are not always having to fight to remember this thing. Because once this is established, it's established. It's like driving a car. You don't have to think about driving a car. Well, you know what? You might have to work to abide in the vine for a minute. But it, this is even true in, in uh, you know, books that I've read about learning to practice the presence of God. You know, when you first start practicing, staying in the presence of God and remembering God and practicing it, it's hard. Just like anything you do for the first time. But as you continue to meditate in that, that's what the word of God said even to Abraham. It said it to even to, to Joshua. He said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your, your mouth. But you will meditate in it, Joshua 1.8, day and night, and then you will make yourself, make your way success, find, make your way success, make your way prosperous. Oh my gosh. I know it. I just couldn't get it out. There's a neural net in there for Joshua 1.8 somewhere. But make your way prosperous and have good success. Meaning this repetition, meditation is nothing but repetition. So no wonder God wanted me to stand in front of the mirror and meditate on Christ and you, the hope of glory, for an entire year. First of all, he knows I don't do anything that when I first started. I mean, doing anything every day or whatever. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not. I don't know who's naturally disciplined, but some people have good habits to even be more disciplined than others. So I didn't start out as a super disciplined person that would meditate the scripture four times a day and stand in front of the mirror, you know, five times a day and, you know, da, 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 da. No, I had to, I had to work at it. So it's why I took it. God said, take a year. Why am I sharing this? Because the gospel cannot just be a message that you like believe and now you're going to heaven. Like, I, Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my Lord. When I die, I'm going to heaven. I'm a Christian. Now, Christian, the word Christian means little Christ. And there is, this is, this is designed for Jesus to live in you as you every single day. So guess what? The world will actually know that he's alive. Why? Because you're doing the same works that Jesus did. Why? Because he's doing them through you. Now, I'm not sharing all of this to condemn anybody. Because truthfully, all of us, I mean, are any of us manifesting the fullness of our potential in Christ? 
this is not meant to condemn. This is meant to get you excited and to make life a little simpler than maybe you thought it, maybe, maybe it's more complicated right now than it should be. Because your identity is a foundational truth. See, this transforms everything else in your life. You know what? Living supernaturally is a completely different way of living. Your first thought when you need money isn't, I need to go get another job. Right? Your first thought when you come down with the symptoms of a sickness or you've got a pain in your body is not, oh gosh, I'm going to die. I hope this isn't a heart attack. Again, it's no condemnation if that's where you are today. I'm saying there is a higher way of living that requires some new neural nets. <laughs> it just requires us to make the main thing the main thing. And, you know, when Jesus went into the wilderness, every day our identity is being tested, by the way. In the same way when Jesus went into the wilderness, the circumstances are testing our identity every single day. You know, when that storm came to the disciples and they thought they were going to die, and then Jesus stood up and spoke to the storm, I mean, it was just... You know, you could, the way that we experience the storms in our life really reveals who we think we are. And the disciples at that point in their training, which is where we all start out, is they thought this storm is more powerful than us. These circumstances are more powerful than us. And all the while, Jesus was teaching them nothing is more powerful than you. I say this one time, I, um, I, did a, I did a program years ago called Miracle School. And I'm pretty excited about it because the Lord's bringing it back into the graduate program for Emerge and he's talking to me about some of the things that he's going to be doing in the new graduate program. But... One of the things that I used to teach in miracle school and I've been thinking about lately is how much, and, and there's a movie actually, Divergent. If you've ever seen that movie, it made me think of this because I taught this years before that movie. But I always used to say, I wish that there was, I wish I could create, like I love sci-fi, sci-fi movies and stuff. I wish I could create a circumstance simulator. And I wish that I could bring students to my circumstance simulator. And I could throw them in there and say, okay, here's the thing. When you get in the circumstance simulator, it's going to be like a virtual reality experience. So you're going to really believe that what's happening is actually happening. But you're just, the whole time, you're just going to be in the simulation. And if it gets too intense, I'll turn it off. You're not going to die, anything like that. But the point is, when I turn this thing on, we're going to see what comes out. Is sonship going to come out? Is your union with God going to come out? Are you going to act like a son? Are you going to act like a slave? Are you going to act like a mere human? 
Are you going to act out of a carnal identity, out of a separated identity? Are you going to, do you know who you are? And so I'd fire that thing up. And I could do all kinds of things, right? We could have natural disasters. We could have, you know, doctor's diagnosis. We could have all kinds of crazy circumstances hit these people. But yeah, I just, I would put, I would create the circumstance simulator just to help us realize that circumstances are nothing but an opportunity for God to be glorified. Always. And that, you know, there's all kinds of little cliches that go along with this. Like, there's no, you can't have a testimony without a test. You know, people say that. Or I think there's probably other ones. But the point, but it is really true. I mean, really, as Jesus was training his disciples, he was really just kind of testing them. You know, Philip, where are we going to get money to, to, to buy all these people food? Right? And over and over again, he was just operating in union with the Father, defying the odds, doing the impossible. Yeah, he, he would get, he would even get a little annoyed with the disciples sometime and be like, you know, perverse and wicked generation. How much longer must I suffer you? Bring the boy to me. And then he cast out that devil. So he, you know, he, he, he was just, expecting more. You know, and the disciples were a little clueless, weren't they? I mean, you know, Jesus would be talking about bread or something and he'd be they'd be like, "Oh, we we just ate." What, you know, they were just kind of clueless, but the point is that 2019 for it to be your best year, to be this to be your best life. For this to be the life that you were born to live, for this to be the life that God's purposed for you to live, getting established in your true identity and operating out of union with God really is step number one. It's step number one. So I encourage you, you know, as you think about your goals and think about your habits and think about the things that you need to accomplish every day, make waking up to your true identity and getting established as a stronghold in your life, your union with God. So, Father, I just thank you. I thank you for leading us into this place, really, of confrontation, of confrontation with our own beliefs and confrontation with our own experiences. And a confrontation with the truth. And I thank you, God, that you are the author and the finisher of our faith, Jesus. I thank you that you are the perfecter of our faith. And so I thank you, God, that you're going to finish the good work that you've began in us and that your grace is sufficient in our weakness. That you, This is a work of the Holy Spirit to establish us in the truth. And that you plan on integrating us with this with, with Jesus at a subconscious level. That our identity is going to replace our self-concept. And like you said, Lord, who we have have believed that we are is going to die in our minds. We thank you that we truly are crucified with Christ. 
and that now all that's left to do is believe it. And so, Lord, I just speak grace and peace, a multiplication of grace and peace to each and every person that's listening. And I just thank you, Father, for a supernatural week. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to encourage you, if you are getting blessed by these podcasts and God is speaking to you and feeding you through uh, these teachings, I just encourage you to head on over to Shalise.com and make a donation. Support the podcast, support the ministry, support uh, the message of your union with God, uh, our union with God uh, being preached. We have listeners all over the globe. I actually got an email this week from someone from Australia which I think that was my first email from someone from Australia. But anyway, just you can go over to Shalise.com and click on partner or give and support the ministry. And then as always, uh, I'd love to see you in Facebook. Like my page uh, in social media. Uh, like my Shalise page. And make sure you've downloaded a free copy of my book at thepathfreebook.com. God bless you. Until next time.